Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 241st edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And an out and up across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, gentlemen? Uh, great to be here. Great week to be here. The season's actually winding down. Had some good, uh, some good football on last week. Guys, let's talk about it. Yeah, we did have some good football, and we can't talk about it without the third amigo in the second city, a man who has no time for anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Uh, if our show uh, runs a little short, you can blame me for that. Uh, sorry, I've got a good basketball team to watch. Number three in the country, the Iowa Hawkeyes beat North Carolina tonight. Uh, I would have been watching Wisconsin versus Louisville tomorrow, but uh, a little something called COVID got in the way. Mm. So, I don't know if Georgia has a basketball team. So, Well, now that Anthony Edwards graduated, I don't know if you really need to. Is it still coached by well, Dwight Schrute? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Nice. And by graduated, I mean went one and done. Yeah, but, one and done, <laughs> number one overall. Yeah, there you go. Before we jump into the show, we want to remind you guys that we here at Illegal Motion are brought to you by betonline.ag. The football season's in full swing, and like Coach said, it's actually winding down. And so while you may not be at the game this season, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Guys, I wish that there was a way that we could bet on how many games would be canceled each week. As we sit here tonight recording, on a, it's a Tuesday night here, uh, 10 p.m. Central Time. We have four games already officially canceled for this weekend, including Ohio State versus Michigan and a game I'm a little bit more interested in, Cincinnati versus Tulsa. Josh, what, what do you put the over or under at for games canceled this week? Well, there's a lot of uh, smoke wafting out of the state of Indiana. So I mm. think we'll see a third one um, if the Hoosiers can't go against Purdue. So how about I up the ante and say three and a half? Well, we're already at four, and I just mentioned two. So I'm. Just, oh, I'm sorry. A- I just heard the two mentioned, so uh, yeah. that was my bad. So five I, and a half? <laughs> so you're saying five and a half? Yeah, yeah. So total as, as <laughs> added on to the four we have tonight or additional? So I'm uh, so Josh sorry about saying, that, Matt. I, I misheard you. Josh I, is I heard saying, you talk about the two. Josh is saying five and a half total. Five yeah. and a half total. Oh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we got four, so I'm gonna say six. Yeah, I feel like it's I feel like it's total. gonna be seven or eight. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that Vanderbilt, Tennessee, gets the kibosh before Saturday. Vandy put out their depth chart today it's one of the most pathetic documents i've ever seen todd fitch was quoted as saying it uh we may not be playing the three four because it's difficult to play a three four with only one outside linebacker uh they have 40 they're down to 45 scholarship players a total of five defensive linemen they have more kickers than defensive ends i'm i'm sorry i'm confused about how this is any different than a normal vanderbilt roster but Maybe Sarah Fuller can play outside linebacker too. I mean, she's like she's she's got some decent size on her. Like she, mean, she's all of six two. So 
you know, and obviously a, a lady never discloses her weight, but I, I, she, she's pretty built. So I wouldn't put it past her. You know, she is definitely aggressive if you watched her soccer clips. So, and she would, I think, you know, give as much effort as anyone else out there. But no matter who your team is, from games pros to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Gentlemen, when we were here last week, we previewed a big game between Coastal Carolina and Liberty. That yeah, I didn't watch that one. <laughs> no, I didn't either. Instead, we watched an even better game. When Coastal Carolina took on BYU at home. Uh, first of all, that was one of the most exciting games of the entire weekend to watch. Full stop. Secondly, kudos to BYU. One of the things that Kalani Sataki has said all season, they will play anyone, anytime, any place. And they decided on like four days notice to fly across country down to South Carolina and take on the Chanticleers. And it turned out to be, I think this was in some ways a win-win. Yes, for BYU, they lost the actual game, but I think it says a lot about them as a program. As for the Shauna Clears, well, they were just outstanding um, on both on the field and the whole atmosphere with game day around there as well. Josh, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? I'm going to quick, quickly tell you my CJ Marable is a back that could play at any power five school. He was incredible and he was going to be my second one. Uh, so I'm glad you said that because my big takeaway was I'd watched Coastal plenty of times this year and I loved their speed on defense. I love their intensity on defense, but I was like, how do they stack up if they were to get a highly ranked team or a really good offensive team or if they got to, you know, one of those New Year's bowl games that all these group of five teams are striving for? BYU is the proven deal on offense. I mean, you don't fake the numbers Zach Will Williams had. Or Zach Wilson had, sorry. Um, and Coastal was incredible. They held them to 17 points. Shut them out in the opening quarter and the final quarter. Held them to just three points in the second half. Had an interception on him. And just, it was an all-round amazing defensive effort. And you saw it on the last play of the game, why they were doing that. They were flying to the ball. A great gang tackle. Uh, I think almost every tackle had to have included about four Shanties, it felt like. <laughs> mm -hmm. And... It was just incredible team defense. And uh, I left thinking they're still a fast defense. They're still an athletic defense. But I think they are also just a totally in-sync defense. They know where all of their fellow teammates are on the field. So they know their positioning extremely well. They know who's backing them up, whether it's you know a player letting someone go by for the secondary and knowing that they've got the over-the-top safety, uh, the defensive line knows exactly where those linebackers are, and they're just like a net, and they caught everything, and BYU wasn't able to get out of it. It was awesome. I love their defensive game plan. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're a uh, high school defensive coach, 
Uh, I hope you recorded this game and they're going to show it to your team because uh, you know this was a this was an absolute clinic in how to not and Josh you hit the nail on the head with this. So I'm going to basically reiterate what you were saying. Is it, this is this was a clinic about how to communicate on the back end uh, at the linebacker level and on the defensive line. I mean they, those guys were those guys were lockstep with each other. It, it, they they were gap sound. They flew to the ball and. I always say when a defense plays that fast with that with that much anticipation that it feels like there's 18 guys out there because the offense can't seem to get an edge inside, outside, or over the top in the passing game. And and, and the, the Shonaclers were just disruptive all freaking night long. And it was it was a beautiful thing to see because you saw at the beginning they were trading punches, right? And I think I even said in a text, this looks like a, a – a middleweight boxing match with with no defense, you know, it's just them slugging back and forth, and and it just seemed like that the the Shonaclers were were packing a little bit more punch, and then you you saw that affect BYU little by little as the game wore on. They get into the second half, and they're still they're still they're still trading blows, but you saw BYU wilt a little bit, and you saw the Shonaclers get a little bit stronger as it went, and and you saw the will just break in BYU and then they start started doing uncharacteristic things they had they had an interception and they had a fumble uh they 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 drives were stalling out they were doing things uncharacteristic of themselves um for for being such an explosive offense but I mean this was a great great game of both sides really I mean I'm not gonna I don't want to take anything away from BYU in a loss but um it just kind of shows you how an unrelenting style of defense can wear down an explosive offense yeah, I mean, but the one thing that we can't forget, though, is that right there at the end, BYU had a chance to win it. And, yeah, you know, Coastal Carolina tackles them at the one-yard line as time expires. So, I mean, we had a Kevin Dyson in the Super Bowl situation here, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And, you know, and BYU kept fighting and kept fighting and kept fighting. But, you know, it, it was some of those, like, there were some situations where I think if you know, they get a first down on on one drive, or you know, there, there was a killer fumble. The the fumble, the fumble, I felt like really destroyed their momentum. I, I felt like be, at any point, either team could have been up two scores. Uh, but I mean, I think they played each other really well. Uh, it was a great competitive match. There was even a skirmish or, or two, uh, and, and these two these two ball clubs acted like they were uh, they've been bitter rivals for a <laughs> hundred years. Well, I mean, they are so. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you, when the, you take well, college football rivalries. Yeah, I mean, the, the that scuffle was really just, like, showed you the intensity that these two teams play with because it came after that interception. On the interception, Coastal Carolina <laughs> does what you're supposed to do, which is tee up the quarterback, and they teed him up twice. And mm. BYU took exception to that, which they should. Yep. You got to protect your quarterback, but as the refs rightfully pointed out, both of them were clean hits, and uh, you know that was just, yeah, it was just an amazing game. I think if you are the rest of the Sun Belt, not that there's too many more games left, and you are whoever Coastal gets in their bowl game, you have to look at that tape going, oh my god, <laughs> their their outstanding quarterback had 85 passing yards and was a non-factor. And they still beat a super talented BYU team. 
Well, let's talk about the rest of the Sun Belt because there was one that was the one other group of five game I really wanted to touch on here in this show, and that was a showdown between Louisiana and Appalachian State. The Raging Cajuns and the Chanticleers are already set to play in the Sun Belt title game here in about a week and a half from today as of recording. And, you know, Louisiana, uh, they had some interesting calls, I guess we'll say, from Will Healy there in the fourth quarter with some certain safety situations. You know, you don't usually see a team uh, have uh, in the box score that has team five rushes for a negative 104 yards. But, (laughs) you know, it happens. Either way, they were able to pull out the victory 24-21 over Appalachian State. Levi Lewis, their quarterback, had a fascinating stat line in himself. 8 for 23 passing for 101 yards and a touchdown. 8 for 23 is not something you usually see either. But, you know, nonetheless, it was a wild, wild game, Josh, that, uh, you know, you look at the the yardage told you like how did louisiana win this one well it was a combination of take away those minus 114 yards and they were able to actually really dominate in a lot of phases of the game and their defense was all over the place they sacked uh, zach thomas appalachian state's quarterback three times had six tackles for a loss and were just really all over the place defensively what was your biggest takeaway from this one well, I actually liked the call. Um, they'd been having issues with their long snapper in the game. And your worry there is he has a bad snap. Punter falls on the ball. We give Appalachian State an incredibly short field. That's an automatic tie game. We probably lose. So taking the safety there gives you a better chance of flipping the field. It was a risky play, but I think it was the smart one in the context of the game. Um, The takeaway I have from this game is Appalachian State is a really talented team, but they're just not getting the same offensive production this year from their quarterback. And it's sad to say because Zach Thomas has had an incredible career with Appalachian State, um, and his numbers this year actually aren't that bad, all things considered. He's actually got a career high in a completion percentage and his yards per game are just as good as they ever are. The problem is he's set a career high in interceptions in what's obviously a shortened season. And we saw it against Louisiana, two picks, no interceptions, and their loss to Coastal, similar story. Um, I don't know enough about the App State program. My guess is to see a decline in this way, it would indicate that they probably graduated some really good offensive linemen. And that's why he's just not having as much time. Matt, you mentioned the sack numbers. Well, and they're their third head coach in three years. That doesn't help things either. But yeah, I mean, I I think for Appalachian State, it's just hard. They're two-time, three-time conference champions. It's really hard to keep that going when you have roster turnover and obviously coach turnover. Um, But I think, you know, I think most people that picked App State to win this conference were probably going, oh, Zach Thomas, pencil in in for an incredible season and another MVP caliber year. And it it just hasn't worked out that way. And and that's cost them in their most challenging games, Lafayette and Coastal. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, that'll be an interesting rematch. Coastal Yeah, should we talk about should we talk about their first game? Because when um, it happened a while ago, I don't think Coastal was on our radar. Uh not so much. No, they no. they really were not. I mean, that game no. happened back in what like uh, i'm trying to i'm trying to remember the date it was, it was the fourth early game for each team it was early october i want to say yeah. something like that october 14th yeah. october 14th well this, Coast- this is why the sunbelt title game will be must-see tv total yards in this game first of all the final was 30 to 27 coastal obviously edged louisiana total yards 414 to 413 <laughs> uh passing yards per attempt 8.4 for coastal 7.1 for louisiana Rushing yards, 212 for Coastal, 236 for Louisiana. Louisiana averaged 7.9 yards per carry. Uh, penalties weren't a factor. One turnover to none. Uh, Louisiana had the turnover. This was an incredible game that just we did not expect Coastal to be undefeated, so it kind of flipped under, slipped under the radar. Um, Sunbelt title game, maybe the best conference title game outside of the SEC this year, gentlemen? Uh, I don't know. The Clemson-Notre Dame rematch will be fun. The one thing that's weird about that one is we've seen it. And, Notre- and this is why I to feel de- uh, also... Fair, we, we've seen this one, though, too. Yeah, and we but didn't, that And one, we didn't see that one with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I guess what's weird about that one is um, we have Notre Dame that's not really an ACC member. <laughs> true. Like, Very true. Uh, the other... Th- I also feel bad for Iowa State because, like, any other year, Iowa State would have won the conference. But they, the Big 12 magically suddenly gets a bit title game despite only having 10 teams. That's so stupid. What's stupid is the Big 12 more than likely making a change to their rules here, like, at the last minute so Ohio State can play in the title game. But we can talk about that. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's let, our let, next show. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let's talk about the Big 10 right now. That's uh, episode 242. Yeah, that's episode 242. That's our preview. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the Big Ten right now. Uh, a couple big games over in the Big Ten. First of them was Indiana heading to Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. Wisconsin was absolutely hapless. The offense was inept. They were taking on a back of a quarterback and looked pathetic, quite frankly. <laughs> Just absolutely pathetic. Came out after the game that Paul Chris is indeed not calling plays anymore. It's Joe Rudolph. Joe Rudolph is the uh, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, and neither the off and he's apparently been calling the plays all season. And while it worked against Michigan and it worked against Illinois, it did not work in their last two outings against Northwestern and Indiana. And it was pretty sad, honestly. I, watching, I, think, I think that's a reflection on just how bad Illinois and Michigan are. That was going to be my next point because those defenses are atrocious. Indiana's is outstanding. Tom Allen, we know, is a great coach. And on top of that, there is just, you know, there are problems with wide receiver depth. Wisconsin was without their number one receiver, Danny Davis, for the game. Kendrick Pryor, their number two receiver, was injured and out by halftime. Graham Mertz's footwork has been awful this season or has been awful uh as the season has gone on they're not giving the ball enough to Jalen Berger the true freshman tailback who is far and away the best weapon I mean far and away 
the best weapon that they have on offense. Matt, that he, was going to be my main point, so I'll just say it right now. Uh, he had 87 yards on 15 carries. That's a healthy 5.8 yards per attempt. You want to say, well, you know, he broke one off for 20 yards. Fine. You drop him down to 67 yards and 14 carries. That's still a really healthy 4.78 yards per carry. Get the young man the goddamn ball, please. Well, and on top of that, he had another one. He had another, like, a 25-yarder called back for a very ticky-tack holding penalty. Yeah. He is He's just so clearly the best back that they have. And finally, for this coming week now against Iowa, he's actually listed as RB1. Ooh. But before this, he was listed as RB3. Under I mean, Groshek? Uh, behind Groshek and Watson. And the offensive line is just not coming together. Now, to be fair, because of injuries, they were playing their true freshman two-star uh, fourth-string center in mm. this one against who had to block uh, a guy named Jerome Johnson. Who Did he uh, snap it over Mertz's head at any point? No, he didn't. But then he's uh, already better than Nebraska's punter. Nebraska center. True. He they, he did have a couple that hit the ground, or maybe one or two that hit the ground. But uh, Tanner Bordellini did have to try to block Jerome Johnson. And if you don't know anything about Jerome Johnson, he's the conference leader in sacks for a reason. He's a terror, and it did not go well. So defensively, Wisconsin, again, they were very good defensively, but they had big problems offensively. Once they got into the red zone, they did not get touchdowns. They got two field goals. Mertz was, I don't know, Mertz played like a freshman. I mean, he's a retro freshman. He played like a freshman, and after a couple of great outings, he's come back down to earth. So it's very frustrating as a Wisconsin fan. I don't know if you guys have anything to add to this one. I guess my one question for you, Matt, would be, is it the lack of weapons on the outside, or is it just, I guess what I'm saying, is it more Mertz or more of the weapons? Weapons. 100%. 100% weapons. Uh, the wide receivers are behind Davis and Pryor, who were both basically out for the game. And were they, both out, they and they were both And they were both out for Northwestern. Are they uh, playing for the Iowa game? Yes. They are. Davis, we know, will be back. Pryor, I think, should be back. Chimery DK, the true freshman, has... Uh, you know, has been able to step up, but they have not been getting him the ball enough. I mean, he scored a big 49-yard touchdown against Northwestern. How mobile is Mertz? Uh, I mean, he he can he's like he's like Brandon Peters on on Illinois. Oh crap! He's got that kind. Of, he he he's like that. Um, maybe like a hair slower. Like if he, I, I'd say I put his 40 at like four eight five. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not a statue back there, but he's also not Kyler Murray. Yeah. And I think that, but the thing I'm, I'm worried about though is the offensive line. I mean, they're getting no push. Colvin Lannon is the only one who's doing anything. The right side of the line, uh, Logan Bruss was supposed to be sort of the other all-star on the line. He has not looked good this season. Caden Lyles, even when he wasn't there at the starting center was sort of middling, John Deetson's a great story playing at left guard, but he is just, you know, he still looks rusty. I mean, he's he basically had a, a almost two years off of football in between playing games. So I don't want to spend much more time talking about this one because I will get depressed. So I do want to talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, winning again and, you know, quickly, uh, you know, having that second and a half turnout, turnaround uh, like they seemingly do 
and uh, look very looking very un Brian Ferency on offense, putting up thirty five points. Well, they they played a great hockey game because <laughs> they totally no showed in the first quarter. They gave up seven points, easy quick points in the first quarter. Uh, gave up an early score in the second quarter to fall down fourteen nothing, and then they ripped off thirty five unanswered. Uh, very late score by Illinois for the cosmetic final. Um, this is why there's still issues with Brian Ferentz and why you're worried because this was, uh, this was Iowa's first few possessions, three plays, five yards, punt, three plays, minus two yards, punt, six plays, 25 yards, punt. (laughs) Uh, that's fine against the Illinois of the world. You want to see a faster start against the Wisconsin's of the world. You're going to have to see a faster start. Yeah. Uh, what I will say, though, I mean, obviously we'll preview the Iowa game next show, but uh, Petrus, after a nightmare first quarter, got into a pretty good rhythm. Um, all things considered, this was definitely one of his best games. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 220 yards. Uh, ground game continues to be uh, very nice with a multi-headed monster. Uh, Goodson and Sargent combined for 29 carries and 150 yards. Uh, the the team produced 200 rushing yards on the day. Uh, they're finding ways to get Laporta the ball more. Uh, they're really good tight end. He's going to be the next big one by Iowa. Um, was incredible last year, but just never got in the end zone. He was really good to start this year and still magically never found the end zone. It seemed like every time he was tackled, it was at about the three-yard line. Finally broke through, got his first career touchdown. Well done for him. Uh, Smith-Marset, they're getting the ball to a lot more. Um, it was just a nice game. The defense uh, rallied after a sleepy start. And then on Illinois' late score, a lot of second stringers and third stringers were in. Um, Illinois also put in their backup quarterback, um, Isaiah Williams. And uh, that kid is, I don't know, I, I think he could be... He's a freshman. I think he could be Illinois' starter for the next three years. I, he showed me some real potential, especially his dual-threat nature. He only played uh, two series, and he ended with 83 passing yards and 36 rushing yards. Um, he looks like he could be the real deal when Peter's career is done at Illinois. But, uh, again, that came against the third, second and third stringers for Iowa. But nice complete team win and just – they got to avoid the sleepy start. Uh, Georgia think, knows a thing or two about a sleepy start, don't they, Coach? They do. Um, I feel like that Josh and I have a lot of similar complaints. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you you want them to start faster because, you know, against good teams. Like, you know, when, when, in, in Georgia's case, when you play Florida, when you play Alabama, when you play Auburn, you know, you don't start fast. Things could get, things could get to the south on you in, in a hurry. When you're playing your, sorry, Matt, when you're playing your Vanderbilts of the world and your Kentuckys <laughs> of the world, you you can take a little bit longer to get into the groove. But, you know, sometimes, and this happens with Iowa too, and, and I was afraid it was going to happen this past weekend, was something where you start off sleepy and you never really wake up, you know, like what happened with uh, South Carolina last year. Um, I think if Georgia wins that game, Muschamp doesn't even start this year. Um, but, uh you know, I, I'm glad to see that Iowa did pull it out. 
I'm glad to see they did wake up. I, I really, I, Josh, I, I'm I'm also impressed with Spencer Petrus. I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a hell of a quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's he's shown me a lot over the last few weeks. I, I think that, you know, they're they've become a little bit more explosive with him, and and he's kind of breathing new life into that offense. And, and anytime you get some confidence, that stuff can be dangerous. No matter who. And, and I'll tell you the biggest calls. difference, Coach, because I'm assuming you haven't watched as much Iowa ball as I have. First well, opening, that idea. yeah, first opening weeks, uh, he was going all in on every throw. He was going QB one deepest route. Yeah, and now he's finding but, tight ends, wide receivers, crossers. Yeah. Most and, freshman quarterback want to show off that arm and yeah. hit the home run and. Get the crowd pumped up and win the game and get on Sports Center. No, 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 no. Find your crossers. Um, take what the defense is going to give you. Win football yeah. games, and and that's worked for them now. He's got into a rhythm. He gets into a rhythm, and, and he's even God. He's like ten times better than he was at the start of the year. Well, the other game in the Big Ten that was relatively notable was Ohio State's thrashing of Michigan State. For a couple reasons, a the week earlier, Michigan State had beaten Northwestern, who was uh, the only other previously unbeaten team in the Big Ten, and B, it's probably the last game Ohio State is going to play this year because now that Michigan is canceled, they are at least technically ineligible for the Big Ten title game. We will talk about that, like you guys said, on our preview show. Uh, for number 242. Let's head down, though, to the SEC. Where... Can I say one thing about the uh, Ohio State game? Sure, why not? Uh, Michigan State's senior kicker, Matt Coughlin, hit a field goal, hit his one extra point. Perfect on the day. Um, long season for Sparty. Um, Coughlin's one of the best kickers in the Big Ten, and he's capping off his senior year uh, with a really nice percentage on field goals. Uh, flawless on extra points due to the offense being as inept as they are. He's only attempted 10, but 10 of 10. Uh, had a career-long kick this year with a 51-yarder. Uh, he's He has shown no quit. He's seems to be one of the few Spartans who really seemed invested in this year, and I just want to give a shout-out to their senior kicker. Very well said, sir. Very well said. So let's head on over, though, to the SEC. The wildest game of the weekend was probably Mizzou versus Arkansas. And this was one of our games that we picked on uh, our, our spread formations for last week. And <laughs> my, it, my picks are so bad, Missouri wins the game, which I predicted, but they can't cover a freaking two-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah, <laughs> that did not go well. That did not go well. So... Uh, nonetheless, though, Coach, uh, did you catch the end of this one? Did I catch the end of this one? Of course I did. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was uh, just all over the place, man. It, 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 you know, they jump out first quarter. Uh, they jump out, you know, early, and they, they come back on them. And it was, man, it was, it was definitely exciting. And the end of it was, the end of the game was. I, my jaw hit the floor, man. I was like, what the, you know, I don't even know what to say about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's uh, God almighty. It's uh, two, the, you got two point blunders. You got a walk off field goal. You got a failed interception. It's just a 
comedy of errors that that leaves you speechless of like what did i just watch <laughs> uh for those of you that don't know about the crazy finish uh let me just quickly breeze through the fourth quarter scoring summary so uh we end the fourth quarter arkansas up 33 23 uh missouri touchdown 33 26 arkansas touchdown 40 26 uh, those two drives were 60 and 61 and 75 yards Missouri, 75 yards, touchdown, 40 to 33. Missouri, 82 yards, 40 40. Missouri, 80 yards, up 47 40. Arkansas, 75 yards. Oh, and in um, a nice four minute drive, just 40 seconds left. Are they going to tie the game? No, they go for the win, up 48 47. It's got to be over. Coach mentioned it, walk-off field goal. That was just the fourth quarter scoring summary. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, oh, God, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it can't even cover a two-and-a-half-point spread. Um, I think I picked Arkansas, didn't I? You did. You did. I, I was the only one that picked Missouri. No, no, I, I picked Missouri as well. Oh, you did. They, well. they, they covered. Yeah. Yeah, you got Who the pick cover. Who picked Suey? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. The end of that game was just nuts, man. It, yeah. it was like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then, yeah, they go for the win. And then, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing about this game that was interesting is you sort of look at the state of these two programs. And they're both rebuilding. Uh, Missouri is just a tad ahead, right? Because this is... Dirkowitz's second season, if I'm not Drinkwitz. mistaken. Drinkwitz's first season. First season. This is his first season. Why did I think it was a second? And why did you think his name was Dirkowitz? Because mm. hey, it's, it's Missouri football, and I I care about them. Thought like, oh. I, thought it was like, I thought it was like, uh, like uh, Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, I care about them, oh, once every hundred years when Iowa plays them in a bowl game uh, that we won because Chase Daniels is terrible. Um Jeez, no, Daniels. so, but either way, Missouri's rebuild is still ahead because they never fell off the way Arkansas did. Um, but Missouri's offense, really good. We knew that they were inheriting a good offense. Saw that play out. But what's impressive is whether it's his first season or second season, the point is still the same that I was going to make. Missouri, five and three. I don't think many of us expected them to have a winning record this year. For Arkansas, three wins. Bunch of close losses, very clearly improved. But uh, if there's one area that Arkansas needs to improve upon, 653 total yards of offense. They could not get a stop in that fourth quarter. You already heard the scoring summary. The other thing, kind of indicative of a younger team, 11 penalties, 95 yards. That's always a killer as you're a rebuilding program. But Arkansas will get better. Yeah, they will. I mean, they have the right coach in place. We'll see if they're able to retain Barry Odom. I wouldn't be surprised if some schools are interested in him to take on the head coaching position coach. I mean, I know he's been, you know, rumored and linked to the Vanderbilt job. And the more I've thought about it, you know, the more I've sort of come around to the idea of maybe that would not be such a bad choice No, for the Commodores. And Matt, in all seriousness, you take away 
the fourth quarter craziness and what gets lost in the shuffle is they started a freshman quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. He went 18 of 33, 274, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He looks like he took care of the ball, um, you know, found his targets. Traylon Burks had a uh, – <clears throat> Traylon Smith uh, had a long touchdown, 26 carries, um, 172. Uh, Traylon Burks – and 206 yards through the through the air had that 68 yard touchdown. Uh, Mike Woods uh, chipped in two catches. I mean, it was basically Traylon Burks, and then you know had 10 catches, and everybody else had two or one. Uh, but yeah, Matt, I mean, it, Matt, it doesn't scare good, Matt. It doesn't scare you and the other Vanderbilt fans that Odom had a crack at an SEC job already with Missouri and went 500 overall and under 500 in the conference. That's do you know how? Do you know how much of an improvement that would be at Vanderbilt? <laughs> True. <laughs> and secondly, like, I think that he is the kind of person that a would build, uh, learns from his mistakes, and I don't know. I just I, I I would trust him more than I would trust certain other people. The Vanderbilt head coaching position there have been some wild rumors flying around this week uh between you know scott cochran who is the special teams coordinator at alabama jamie caldwell uh, georgia uh, georgia scott I'm sorry, cochran, georgia. sorry that scott... that's not gonna happen okay um won't. jamie Ch- jamie chadwell um our friend over at coastal carolina i've been openly... why would he leave for the vanderbilt job is the, Vander, is the Vanderbilt job bottom 10 in the entire country? It's an SEC job. At the end of the day, it's an SEC job. And if you're a young coach and you succeed there, you can you can propel, you can use that to, as a stepping stone to something bigger and better. Yeah, but I don't know. I think it would be a nice SEC job a couple coaches down the line. I, I think the state of that program right now is absolutely disastrous oh it is disastrous that is 100 percent for sure but they also need to clean house keep a couple of the recruiting coordinators around and just completely start from start from scratch so yeah I don't know. that that's no, a different story there. that's a different story for a different day Corey. we talked about that on your podcast actually last week yes uh, we did. when uh ryan and i came on with you and israel well we had israel for a minute until the uh the South Georgia cell phone you, monster got him. You, you want to know what he was actually doing? Uh, it, do I want to know what he was actually doing? I mean, it's not bad. Well, he was uh, hunting, right? Yeah, he was hunting. So he was. I know he, a, he said he had just bagged like a, a deer. Yeah, he was putting up a new blind in his ladder stand and he lost service. That's not. Tell me that's not the most country shit you've ever heard in your life. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I've heard some pretty some pretty country shit in my life so you know it, uh, that's just like par for the course in rural yeah, new hampshire or rural wisconsin to be fair yeah well in south georgia too no pretty difference. much the same thing so. um so yeah no yeah vanderbilt they, they could go a million different directions with this thing I, I i think they need to you know if they can get somebody that's you know i think barry odom would do well there uh because he knows how to coach in in that league um, you know, if Jamie Chadwell takes that job, um, obviously he's not going to take the South Carolina job now, but, um, I think you, I think he would be a home run cause he's got a bunch of energy. He, I, I, 
I love the style of football and the philosophy he has uh, with his program was just tough and relentless and explosive. I, I think uh, also Napier <clears throat> would be a good choice, if, but I, I don't know that Napier would take that. Um, but then again, if Napier wants a big time head coaching job, that might be all he, that might be all he's got. Uh, I, I don't know because uh, they're not getting Luke Fickle, that's for sure. Um, they're not. Well, that's get, for darn sure. Um, I, I can tell you who the, I can tell you they're not. They're not going to get Gruden. Uh, they're not going to get Belichick. I'm trying to run through all the UT rumors that that you hear every time they have a head coaching opening, which is like every other year. Uh, let's see, Nick Belichick, Saban? Gruden, yeah, Nick Saban's not. He's not coming. Um, uh, Urban Meyer, he may not come. I don't, I don't Ryan know. Day, Ryan Day, Mike Tomlin. Um, let's see who else. John or Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, Jim Harbaugh for sure. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's definitely coming to Vanderbilt. Um, I, I think uh, Greg Williams. I think he'd be a good fit. He's looking for a job right now. What do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. We can talk about that. He's gonna hire Hugh Freeze as offensive coordinator. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Oh, and, and I'm trying to and uh, and DJ Durkin as his defensive coordinator oh and have the whole trinity of death. Look, I, I in all seriousness, Vanderbilt needs to follow the Northwestern <clears throat> game plan. I mean, they no, they really do. They hired you know Pat Fitzgerald. He had a little bit of coaching experience, but not a lot. But beloved alum, they were patient with him. You look at Vanderbilt alumni list really one name pops out and that's jay cutler <laughs> no the actual name that popped out there though is clark lee the defensive yeah, court I... the defensive coordinator at notre dame uh former vanderbilt fullback actually yeah and, and he i don't know i mean my guy if he wants it if he wants it and he <clears throat> wants to dedicate to it you know you know good for him i think that it's a it's a tough job i mean it's the hard it might be the hardest power five job now you're going to have to endure a couple of years of of what's currently happening because I, I think that the cupboard gonna, is because the cupboard is bare and the, that the, the cupboard the, is bare and that the guys who are here are some of them are going to be picked off by yeah. other schools. I mean Donovan Kaufman, who is the best freshman that they had this year. I don't care what you say about Ken Seals. Donovan Kaufman is the most talented freshman on that roster, and mm-hmm. he's kind of obliquely hinted on Twitter that he may enter the transfer portal and you know seek greener pastures and yeah. on one hand i you know i wouldn't blame him so no, anyway that's so. that, that's enough about the vanderbilt head coaching position we can talk about that once we get to uh, black monday which is coming a couple couple weeks later than usual this year but uh, elsewhere in the SEC, Alabama absolutely throttled LSU. Texas A&M won a close one over Auburn. Florida beat Tennessee. Coach, any of those games stick out to you? Um, yeah, not really. Uh, Ed Orgeron's meltdown with uh, at, at LSU, that, that's the only thing that stood out in that game. Um, well, Texas on top A&M. of that, their, their entire <coughs> program is melting down. I mean, they've had... A bunch of guys going and looking like they're going to enter transfer portal, especially most notably five-star true Eric freshman Gilbert. Eric Gilbert. Yeah, who he's is looking at Georgia. Actually, I mean, I mean, he picked LSU over Georgia during the recruiting battle, and mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, I feel like Georgia gets all the five-star tight ends at this point. Him, him, and Jermaine Burton are really close. That's a, that's a relationship to keep your eye on, and also uh, a factor in it. I don't know how big of a factor, but um, UT with Harrison Bailey, I, I think, could be a, a dark horse because Harrison Bailey and Eric Gilbert were were teammates in high school, so they, you know, he's recruiting him hard. So keep an eye on on that. Uh, Texas A and M over Auburn. Uh, you know, not surprised. I, I think it was. Yeah, that game played out exactly how I thought it would. Um, UF over UT. Uh, yeah, Florida's good, guys. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> They're good. Uh, Kyle Pitts is good. <laughs> Nobody can cover him. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is. Uh, I think he. I think he's lost the fan base for sure, and he might have lost the team as well. Didn't they uh, sign him to a contract extension? I feel like I ask that every time we bring up Jeremy uh, Pruitt. Yeah, in like August. Yeah, they yeah. did. And he is completely pardon my pardon my Portuguese here, but he is completely shit the bed. My uh, my total apathy towards Tennessee football and Jeremy Pruitt leads me to routinely asking if he signed a contract extension. Yeah, it's uh, they're definitely they're affectionately known from Georgia fans as UT Junior because Texas is the real UT. But um, yeah, it's just it, the the soap opera there. It just it. <laughs> it's hilarious you just every game just go on the you know just do yourself a favor find a tennessee message board any tennessee message board and go on there and it is i mean just about every message board is, is like that but tennessee is like exceptional uh during games it's 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 awesome but um so yeah no um yeah they were they were good uh, no, no surprise there um and then uh you know Kelamond is good uh isaiah spiller uh, he's good too. Uh, just just a lot of just a lot of meh games in the SEC um, outside of that Arkansas Missouri game that was a freaking crazy finish. Um, but yeah, I I, I was uh, you know again Kellamon. They were able to get it done when he barely passed for. I mean he only he only attempted twenty three passes, didn't even throw for two hundred yards. They still won. Uh, Anum's defense was was stifling. Uh, Wiedermeyer, Widermeyer, however you say his name, um, he's going to be Windermeyer, Windermeyer. Um, he, he's going to be a, he's going to be a hell of a tight end in the league. Um, you know, the, the question is with, with Auburn is what do you do with with with, with Gus Miles on? I mean, the guy's a freaking roller coaster, and you know you 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 can't. It just seems like when when. When the game is on the line, when, when when you have a huge game on you, unless that team is Alabama, he has Alabama's number somehow. I don't I don't understand it. Um, but every other big game, it, I feel like Auburn just wilts away and they can't they can't hang. So, you know, Bo Nix, fifteen and twenty three, hundred and forty four yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no real impact on the game. Tank Bigsby was banged up, only had nine carries. How does that happen? Uh, Sean Shivers nine carries, Bo Nix eleven carries. I mean, you, you, I mean Sean Shivers is a decent backup. I mean, you, you, you know, but I think Tank Bixby even banged up should get more than nine carries because he's the best guy you got. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Seth Williams only three catches. Uh, Anthony Schwartz three catches, no real impact. Eli Stowe four catches, no real impact. Um, it just. Offense was just stuck in the mud all night long, and any big play they got, it, it was like it's like a baseball game when when you lose like you lose like 
four to two, but you have like 15 hits, but they're all scattered and you leave a whole bunch of people on base. That's what this game was like for Auburn. Yeah, they scored 20 points, but they left a whole bunch of people on base and they left a whole bunch of opportunities out there. They could never really string together two good plays, it seemed like, and, and they were just it was bad all around. I'll tell you what kind of encapsulates Auburn's season this year is tantalizingly close and then tripping over their own feet uh, with them leading 20 to 14. Uh, A&M is having a decent drive that gets into field goal range, but then a personal foul penalty drives the Aggies out of field goal range. They're facing a second and 14 back at the Auburn 38. Really nothing happened. A minimal gain of three. Uh, and then on third and 11, there was a potential holding that was missed. I, it looked like a holding to me when I watched it in real time and then on the replay. No call there. Uh, the pass was not a great one. And the announcers were saying that looked like it bounced. <laughs> no review called and no one on Auburn felt like challenging it. So this questionable catch went for uh, 15 yards to pick up a first down. On the next play from the 20 yard line, the Auburn kid has both mitts on it. Should have been an interception, but well, he's a defensive back for a reason. And instead of catching the sure interception, he tips it in the air and it goes straight into uh, Jalen Windemeyer's big pause, and the sure-handed tight end easily caught it and basically turned around and was in the end zone. And it's just like, well, that's that's kind of Auburn's season this year. Uh, that's well Auburn's season in a nutshell. Well put. Well put. Well put. Over in the ACC, honestly, there was literally nothing to talk about. It was the most useless weekend of ACC football I can I can remember. Whoa, 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 Matt. You sure about that? I'm pretty sure about that. Clemson um, had a nail-biter, man. It was 45 to 10. <laughs> you don't want to talk about the fact that Virginia is quietly 5-4 and four, despite having a million new players, or that NC State... Is eight and three? There's some interesting stuff. Do we want to talk about the fact that Georgia Tech? Wait, no, we don't want to talk about Georgia Tech. <laughs> no, we don't um, want to talk about Georgia Tech. That's sad um, for everybody. Do we want to talk about the 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 grueling ACC duel that North Carolina had with what? Wait, <laughs> no, they're not in the ACC. Uh, I, I will okay. say this, you uh, guys. Miami Duke. Okay. Well, I was I was about to go to the Duke game. In all seriousness, uh, Cutcliffe has worked wonders there. Two and eight on this year. This will be, I believe, their second straight losing season. Any cause for concern? He might just retire. He's also up there in age. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't see him. This is kind of like the. Uh, I think he's just kind of done now. I, I think he, he's he's had his career and it just he just seems exhausted every time you look at him. You know, and and I think he like Stockstill over at MTSU. I, I just think retiring might be a good might be a good option. Virginia Tech also somehow managed to lose twice, get obliterated by Clemson, and then their legendary coach's son, uh, before they can even fire Fuente and give him an offer, pieces out and heads over to South Carolina. He pieced out from Oklahoma, though. 
No, I know, but he he said nope real quick to Virginia Tech. Didn't even give them a chance to nope. get rid of Fuente and kick the tires and even show him an offer. Well, good job, Virginia Tech. Good job. So let's head over then to the Big 12. Uh, the biggest upset of the week probably came over in Fort Worth where TCU took down Oklahoma State, uh, maybe we should say a free-falling Oklahoma State squad because they... O-A-N-O-A... Oh, <laughs> um, Because... Where'd you get that box score? They, O-A-N? They've, uh, they, they've lost three of their last five and barely beat Kansas State and Texas Tech, both schools that we know are not that great. Uh, this one was... You know, not that, uh, not not that great for them either, and I don't know what, what's going on. I don't really know what's going on there, honestly, at Oklahoma State, other than they have no Chuba Hubbard, and outside of Tylen Wallace, they don't really have much in the way of offensive options, Coach. No, they don't. It's, it, yeah, uh, I don't know what to say about that, but um, all I can say is uh, Hacksaw Max Duggan. That had a really good game, completing twelve of twenty six for two sixty five uh, and a touchdown. I mean, this game was every time you looked at it, it was like okay, at some point Oklahoma State is going to pull ahead. They never did. Well, coach, you buried the lead a little bit on Max Duggan. I mean, yeah, he threw for two sixty five and a score. He also ran for a hundred and four and two more touchdowns. Uh, I feel like Oklahoma State didn't watch I was any. Getting there. I, I was felt like Oklahoma there. State didn't watch any game tape on him because whenever I seen. TCU be competitive in a game, it's because Max Duggan goes off. Well, how could they watch some game? How could they watch game tape? They're watching no way in. But, um, you know, Zach Evans chipped in with 10 carries. Uh, true freshman, if you guys follow the recruiting saga of him, he, he I think he committed like three different places silently. And uh, and everyone said no dice, and he ended up at t- uh, TCU. Uh, but he scored a touchdown, uh, had 10 carries himself. But, yeah, Max, you know, Hacksaw Max Duggan, man, he – I don't know if this is actually his nickname, but it's going to be. Um, yeah, had, had a great day. Uh, I, I think TCU's found something with him. I think TCU's just kind of found their mojo a little bit. Uh, they, they'd been down all year. just seemed like they hadn't been themselves, really. Uh, and, and they haven't really truly played TCU football. And, and it, it, was, it was refreshing for once to see him kind of play and, and play that style of football that they're used to and accustomed to. And, and, and uh, you know, they were once a, a – you know, when they first joined the Big Twelve, they were they were a thorn in everybody's side. They were kind of a, a really good contender there for a minute, and then they just lost their way. And now I think now they've they've uh, they found it. And you know, Oklahoma State. Well, you know, we say this every week, guys. Why are we buying in on the mullet? Why? Why do we do it? I don't know. Because it's fun and it's kitschy, and we, yeah. we think it'll be fun. We, like I said, like we think it'll be fun. We all like yeah. Halloween colors. That's true. Um, and and uh, we all like uh, T. Wait, no. Um, Tylen Wallace is, uh, you know, in all seriousness, I, you know, he's the only weapon there. He's all they got, man. Um, you know, Desmond Jackson. I, I guess he had twenty nine carries, uh, average of four point one per uh, one hundred eighteen. He scored a, a test. A touchdown, but it seemed like a very laborious effort. 
uh, to get those 118 yards. I mean, for 29 carries, uh, just seemed like it was tough sledding for most of the way. Uh, Tyler Wallace had seven catches, but not really anybody else chipped in very much. Um, you know, Dylan Stoner had three catches, but that was about all the production they had. Everybody else had just like a catch or two uh, with no real um, with no real impact. So I, I think it's, you know, Spencer Sanders had 11 carries, and they were just – it just seemed like, again, they were trying to get a whole bunch of things going, kind of like Auburn. They remind me a lot of Auburn right now. Um, really good at times, really bad at times. Will let you down when you expect them, you know, to – we expect the most out of them. That's when they let you down, and so Oklahoma State, they're right on brand with that, and, and they have a quarterback that probably tries to do too much. They have a receiver that is their only weapon, and they have a running back that is okay. Uh, but uh, I think that's the only difference they have with Auburn. Auburn has a great running back. They don't use him enough. The, Oklahoma State has a you know pretty good solid running back, and they they give him twenty nine carries, and he still can't really produce a whole lot. So. Very disappointed in this Oklahoma State team, honestly. Um, I, I, they had a lot of promise, especially at one point when we were talking about playoff, uh, playoff team playoffs uh, with uh, with Oklahoma State. You know, we were talking about, okay, is this going to be the year they get over that sooner hump? Nope, not this year. Maybe next year, probably not. But may, you know, we could, you know, Oklahoma State fans can hope, right? Well, I'll tell you the biggest surprise in the Big Twelve of the week was uh, Kansas hanging around in a game. <laughs> uh, the best thing I could say about the Texas Tech win over Kansas, 16-13, to 13, uh, the one stat that caught my they eye. They didn't slip and fall on the track? Yeah. No, the, the one stat that caught my eye, Texas Tech punter Austin McNamara made the most of his two punts. It along a 55, and his two punts went for 107 yards. Good God, man. <laughs> 52 and 55. Jesus. Yeah, took the Kansas punter seven times to get up to 268. Jesus. I mean, that's not like, that's not great. It's not 40 a punt, but still, that's not. Well, in in this conference, at least West Virginia stayed on brand. They lose on the road. Yeah, they Uh, lose on the road. Got shellacked on the road. Um, They got spanked. Iowa State, by the way, they clinched their first uh, berth in the Big 12 title game. Yes. Yeah. And what do you guys uh, think of the all blacks, all black uniforms? Uh, uh, I, I still, liked them. I like they're them fine. Yeah, I, you know, I I still like. I, don't I like be the, don't be a uniform curmudgeon. I'm not being uniform curmudgeon. I'm just saying I think Iowa State's maroon and yellows are very handsome as they are, and that is true. So that is true. Um, speaking and Baylor, Baylor is going they got to go back to their 1970s logo though. That's the that's the key one. Whatever they do with their uniform, Google is it. it. The, is it the cyclone with the it's, ISU? Yeah, no. It it's it says Iowa State in a really cool kind of quasi cursive font, and then it has this very minimalist cyclone underneath it. They need to go back to the Seneca Wallace. Hmm. The 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 Seneca Wallace logo, the the tornado. You know. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they. I don't think that. Well, I mean, Brock Purdy's a pretty darn good quarterback, but you know, after he's done, they wouldn't probably wouldn't mind having Seneca Wallace back. Seneca Wallace was a cheat code in NCAA. Seneca Wallace was the most exciting player in college football for a couple of years. Yeah, he, he was a cheat code. Well, here's here's a serious question. Obviously, we'll preview the Iowa State game 
next show. But uh, Oklahoma, kind of a sleepy game against Baylor. Iowa State obliterated West Virginia. Do you see anything about this idea of like rounding into form before the title fight or an uh, Oklahoma kind of backing I would, in or I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in Oklahoma's game against Baylor. I mean, it, it, it was, uh, I mean, 27, 14. Yeah. They, it was kind of a sleepy effort, but I mean, Oklahoma was starting to round into form. Um, does it, uh, does it, it it's going to be a good game. I does think. it concern you at all that, uh, Iowa state has a bye week and Oklahoma has a game, which means that Cyclones will be the more rested no, of the two not, teams? not at all. Not at all. Huh? all right. Iowa State Iowa State's the new kid on the block when it comes to the Big 12 championship. That's a different monster that they haven't experienced yet. Oklahoma's only experienced it every single year they've been in the Big 12. Almost every year, but you know what I mean. It seems like it at least. Yeah. Quickly, let's talk about the Pac-12. A couple of surprising... Do we have to? Uh, to yeah, do we? Well, oh, quickly, uh, Washington and Oregon both lost uh, to uh, to Stanford and Cal, respectively. <laughs> Cal, one of the most confusing teams on the year. I watched every snap of UCLA-Arizona State. Uh, UCLA came out strong in the first half. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had his best game of the year. He was efficient passing, completed 75% of his passes, also good on the ground, had a score both through the air and on the ground, and... You know, UCLA is slowly but surely, you know, surely, you know, crawling back into relevancy. They're not going to make the conference title game this year, but it still is, you know, it's nice to see them three and two. And those two losses that they have, one was to one was uh, to Oregon by three points. The other one to color at Colorado by six points. So two losses, both on the road by a combined nine points. I think UCLA We'll see how they fare with USC this uh, this weekend, but I think yeah, I mean, they're that's, starting that's the, to turn the corner. That's the real test, Matt. I mean, um, prior prior to that, these last two games, their best win was against Cal, and Cal just finally got their first win. The Arizona and Arizona State wins. I mean, there's a there's a very real possibility both Arizona schools clean house. Um, I don't think Arizona State's cleaning house. I think Arizona State was hit uh, hard, as hard by Corona as any other school in the country, and they've committed I would agree. too much to Herm Edwards to uh, clean house yeah. after one bad season. Yeah, I would agree. It would be surprising if Arizona State did. I would. Only, I would they've honestly only played be shocked. Two games. I would but, be shocked if Arizona State did. Like, I would be. I, yeah. I would actually genuinely be dumbfounded if they did that. Arizona has actually played four games and they've looked pitiful in all and four Kevin games. Kevin Sumlin and, has just looked awful at Arizona in general. And, and there's plenty of sample size with Sumlin, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, yeah. I think what, what is so confusing about Cal is because they've, you know, just like probably Arizona state, probably just like Washington state, just like a lot of the, like this, the Pac-12 season is going to look very discombobulated because of the, the constant interruptions with COVID. A, they all started extremely late. Uh, so that yeah. didn't help. Um, and then, you know, you play a game, you don't play a game. You, you play a game, you sit out for three weeks. I mean, that that, that whole hurt to start, stop, cancel, not cancel, play on Sunday, play it, uh, you know, play at 5.30 a.m., play it, you know, play in, the, uh, play in the park down the road, 
because you can't because Santa Cla- Santa Clara is not allowing teams to play. I mean, oh, the the restrictions and the cancellations and the COVID stuff is like it's hitting it's hitting the Pac-12 probably harder than any other conference in America. The thing why I could see a slim chance, but I do see a chance for Arizona State moving on from her Edwards is his teams have started hot and then by the end of the year are really bad. He's under 500 in conference games. If he loses two more times on this year, and I don't think that's possible since they only his have... His seat is going to be hot. That's my prediction yeah. on Arizona State because uh, yeah. he will win He will win a couple of games this year. He's he's probably They're probably going to play five games at, at most, I think, Arizona State. Uh, before it's all shut down, but well, if they yeah. lose two more times, though, he's then five hundred for his career at Arizona State. I mean, yeah, but they're going to give him one more year. He my guess is my learned, guess yeah. is they would too, but I'm just saying, like, we've they're seen got, coaches with better records get canned at different institutions. I think Arizona State is they're typically more patient, right? And they have I mean, they, they have invested so much in him. Yeah, they've invested they, that it would uh-huh. be I think it would be idiotic for them to cut bait at this point. I think that yeah. it, it's not. And I think that their their recruiting has been on the uptick as well under Herm Edwards. I mean, we already saw them with, with what they've done with Jalen Daniels. And I think that they are they're just a team that's been ravaged with COVID and they can't get any sort of consistency going uh, because they haven't really been able to practice much because they've been in and out canceled. They've been hit the hardest in the conference. Um, and you know, Cal's been, I feel like Cal's been the second hardest hit in the conference, but, uh, another game that stood out to me was the Sunday night game, USC, uh, hosting Washington state. I mean, my God, they got off to a start, man, 28 points in the first quarter. Just seemed like they couldn't do anything wrong. Uh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, just had a, four catches had, for four touchdowns, had a day, man. Um, Slovis, just Slovis couldn't miss Washington state. Couldn't stop. Pardon my French here, but they couldn't stop stepping on their dick. Um, it just, it was a, it was a, it was a bad go for, for Washington state. Rolovich's team just was, was, was bad. Uh, they got off to a bad start and they never really recovered. Uh, Jaden Delora threw two interceptions in the first quarter. Um, I quit watching at that point. Cause I was like, man, it's going to be, it's going to be a blowout, man. Um, so I, I still don't quite buy this USC team, um, but they might be just the best of a really screwed up conference um, right now, and and that's not really a an endorsement of Clay Helton and what he's doing for their program. It's just kind of an endorsement of their situation and and you know kind of being at the top of a pile of a conference that's going to be freaking haywire. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about picking them after seeing uh, um, the uh, kind of the uh, <laughs> the outcomes up at Washington and Oregon this past weekend. Um, it's just like what we said when we previewed them, though. All of these teams are really flawed. They've all had turnover, whether it's on the coaching staffs or on the roster, and I just... I liked USC because they seem to have a little bit more coherence with their staff um, or not their staff, their quarterback situation. And then they at least still had their head coach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of a crapshoot coming into this year. 
It was. It was. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it uh, for us here on episode 241, unless you have anything else to add here at the end, Josh. Well, I'm crunching some numbers uh, just because I'm curious about uh, something. So stand tight. There we go. All right. I'm crunch done. your numbers. I'll crunch my Doritos. Yeah. I- I'm done crunching the numbers. Here we go. Um, let's say Arizona loses to... Uh, or let's say Arizona State loses to Arizona just for fun. Seems like it won't happen because Arizona's all sorts of awful, but that would drop Herm Edwards to uh, a 517 win percentage overall and a 429 if you round up winning percentage in conference. Uh, Bluetooth's last season or last three seasons combined that got him fired um a 473 overall and a 444 in conference actually 2017 uh they went six and three in conference that is by far better than any of the seasons herm edwards has had so actually 2017 uh was their best year in conference since way back in 2013 when they won 10 games so uh, Herm Edwards, they've invested a lot, and he's not done much better than Todd Graham. And I'm not just Todd Graham's career; Todd Graham's final three seasons but that got him patient. fired. They're going to be patient. They're going to at least give him one more year. And they're absolutely going to give him one more year. They're going to give, give him one more year. I well, I agree. I I'm just I'm just saying crazier things have happened. They have, and I would be shocked though. Well, Arizona, not so much. They're going to be looking for a new head coach. Oh yeah, Kevin Sumlin hasn't updated his offense in any way since he was at Texas A&M. He's like Don Brown. The book's out on him. Well, I hope you guys give us at least one more show. Um, and on that on that note, uh, we're going to wrap it up here tonight. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our interpreted blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is The Professor in the Music City. Saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Hello, you play to win the game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.